A university-wide social norms marketing campaign has reduced high-risk drinking and adverse outcomes of drinking, according to a new study from Michigan State University in the Journal of American College Health. MSU's social norms campaign was created to educate MSU students about actual drinking behavior on campus. When misperceptions are corrected, behavior will change to be more consistent with the actual norm, says one of our guests, Dennis Martell, who's the director of MSU Health Promotion, and he directs the National Social Norm Center at MSU. Dennis, welcome back. Welcome. To, uh, thank you, Russ. I appreciate being here, especially with my friend, Dr. Larry. Joining Hemmer. our conversation, Larry's the director of research and evaluation for the National Social Norm Center at MSU. And Larry, it's good to have you on the show, too. Good to be here. Why don't we start, let's not assume, when you guys are talking about social norms, what does that mean? You know, a lot of folks describe social norms uh, in various different ways. I like to use the definition that Dr. Alan Berkowitz and uh, Michael Haynes, who were some of the originators of the concept of social norms theory, they used to call it the misperception change theory. In other words, you try to look at the perceptions that people have, and we all know An individual's perception is their reality until you show them differently. And Larry always says that, you know, the benefit of the social norms research we do is we have facts. And Larry also says many times, if you don't have data, you're just a person with an opinion. So uh, the social norms theory is based on what actually happens uh, and then feeding that information and that data back to the community that you've assessed to show show them this is what's really happening, trying to clear up the misperception about what actually happens. And that, the theory says, will actually sometimes propel then the community or the individual to actually change their behavior because everybody wants to be of the norm. Larry, I mean, what does the National Social Norms Center then at MSU do? How does that fit in? Describe the mission a bit. Well, the, the National Social Norms Center is uh, funded to um, provide oversight of a number of different colleges and universities who are using the, the social norms approach to try to change behavior, specifically um, high-risk drinking behavior on their campuses. Um, so we not only um, are involved in helping MSU do its program, but also um, the, um, the groups at uh, it's now up to 12 universities um, that are um, funded to do social norms approaches on their campus. There are other colleges and universities elsewhere in the country who are using some social norms uh, approaches for trying to uh, affect behavior change in a number of different areas, some including alcohol. But um, there are started out 10, there will be now 12 going forward. That, are, that we are overseeing um, because they're funded by the same group. And to make that distinction, and Larry can chime in too, is there's a difference between social marketing and the social norms approach. And I think people get confused sometimes and they use them interchangeably. Social marketing here in, in Health Risk Com or in Communication Arts is about that process of actually selling something to somebody. It's marketing for a social uh, change or a social endeavor. The social norms approach is more about misperception, changing that gap between the perception and what really happens. And what Larry has done, uh, especially in his former job as the director of the Office of Survey Research for many years, and 
that's how Larry and I became involved, is he has measured not only the perceptions, but the actual behaviors. And then what we try to do is close that gap between the two. So it's, it's important to know the difference between, you can use a social marketing endeavor or approach within the social norms approach, but it's not just social marketing. Well, Larry, let's talk about some of your new data. What have you found? What's been working? As Dennis has pointed out, the whole thrust of a social norms marketing approach is to try to identify whether or not there is a misperception. So is some of the behavior of students, in, in this case related to drinking, a result of them misperceiving what really is normal drinking? And if they're misperceiving it, overestimating how much people drink, how often they drink, how intensely they drink, then they may try to may try to behave as they perceive what normal is, but their their behavior ends up being not normal. Turns out to be abnormal because they've misperceived what the norm really is. So the social norms marketing approach is uh, a way of helping reduce high risk behaviors by simply correcting the misperception. So we don't tell people what they should do. We simply tell people what the the norm really is what percentage of students really do behavior X, um, what most students really do do when they drink or how often they drink or how they protect themselves when they drink or what they think about certain kinds of drinking-related behaviors. So we don't, um, we aren't trying to persuade them that they should do something different. We simply are trying to report out what all of our data collection tells us the actual behaviors of students is. And... Um, the theory says if it's really, if some of the aberrant behavior is a result of misperception or norm, then if you correct the misperception, then people will moderate their behavior because they're simply trying to be normal. And so what we've done is, um, starting in 2000, before the, um, the social norms camp campaign really began, we started measuring all kinds of things, perceptions, how often people drink, uh, how much they drink, when they drink, um, how often they drink a lot, um, how much harm they experience from their drinking, um, things that they do to try to uh, ameliorate some of the adverse effects of alcohol when they drink. Um, and so we've been measuring that stuff every two years since 2000. Um, and we started the campaign in 2001. So we have a, a measures of student beliefs and behaviors prior to the campaign and then throughout the campaign and we've now been the campaign's been underway now for 18 years almost 19 years and so we have pretty long-term um, data showing whether things have been changing in any particular direction and what the report um, that was just published um, tries to walk through is our data on was there a reduction in harm? Was there a reduction or a change in drinking-related behaviors and the use of protective strategies so that people don't get too much alcohol in their body at one, any one time? Um, have we changed perceptions? And um, all along the way, all of the data supports the idea that the things that were being done on campus were making an impact on drinking-related perceptions and behaviors. But we had to make sure that there was a link between uh, changes in perceptions and behaviors and what we were doing. So part of the, the study is 
did people see the information that we sent out? And did they see it just once? Did they see it a bunch of times? How many of the various thing messages that we put out did they see, recognize, did they think it was believable? And all of the data that we looked at were consistent in the, inter in the conclusion that um, there was an initial misperception, we did get messages out, people saw it, the people that we thought were most at risk were, the, were also likely to see it, they saw it a bunch of times, they believed it, and perceptions changed, and then behaviors changed, um, there was moderation, and there was an increase in the use of protective behaviors, there was moderation in drinking-related behaviors, there was a reduction of harm. So all of those things tie together in exactly the way it should if the social norms marketing approach was being effective. And I think you can say you were pleased that it is. You were surprised about the success and pleased with that, I think. Well, I think in the press release they quoted me as saying that... Um, you know, everything happened the way we expected, and we've been monitoring the data all along. Okay. So it, things didn't come as a big surprise when we tried to write the article. But in, in fact, it's sort of surprising that simply putting out the facts, given all the competing other messages yeah. encouraging people to drink and to party and do whatever else to celebrate, that just putting out the facts about what the norms really are seemed to have not only been seen, but it was effective in just moderating student behavior yeah. to become at least more responsible in terms of their health and well-being. Yeah. And the beauty of this approach is it's a positive approach. Yeah. It's the science of the positive. It's not we're saying if you drink, you're going to crash your car, you're going to die. Yeah. It's a positive approach. And as Larry said, and I, the, the phrase I always use is, we don't tell students what to do. We tell them what they do. In other words, we just take the facts that they give us and we give them back to them. And sometimes they're very surprised. Sometimes, well, who did you uh, assess? You didn't assess me, but, you know, they have these misperceptions. And there are topics like that in the health promotion field that we know there are huge misperceptions. Larry knows this, too, because we've been assessing a sexual behavior for many years. And we'd ask perceptions of how many partners you have and how many, you know, or how many times you uh, are involved in sexual activity. And the perceptions are way out of line. And then we yeah. ask them what really happens. And it's like, I've had one partner in the last year. So we know that we can somewhat correct that by just pointing it out there. None of our posters say you have to do this or this is going to happen or anything. It just says, this is what you told us. And after the dosage and after, uh, as Larry said, we're assessing how many times they see it. We're using the venues. We're using the expertise of the health risk con people to know what venues to use. And we assess the venues. So it really has been a community effort, academia, health promotion, assessment. Even the city of East Lansing in the state of Michigan are using the concepts that we are now talking about. I mean, the East Lansing police, the MSU police. Instead of saying everybody is drinking, they'll say, well, the data says that 70% of MSU students don't drink on a normal week, or that it's only 2% in the people who are out in this disturbance. It's not. It's 98% that students don't do that. So when you catch when it catches on like that and it becomes a really positive approach, it also gives the community the benefit of thinking, hey, we are responsible. We are doing good things. So I like the fact that it's the science of the positive, and I think this study validates uh, because, and part of the reason why this has worked so well 
is we've had the same people doing consistent evaluation. Uh, you know, Larry doesn't like when I say this, but he's an absolute genius. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't find anyone in the United States I'd want to work more with than Dr. Hambroff because he understands not only a social norms approach, but he's one of the, the best re researchers, evaluation, and analysis uh, one could want. So having that consistency of people and then having the expertise of the academic folks. Knowing you know, you're getting good data. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have good data, then you have a good approach. Yeah. And uh, this is the first time I've ever seen the American Journal of College Health accept an article with no revisions, no comments, no nothing. The lead article, nothing. Larry did a wonderful job on it, and we just uh, support him. It really is a group effort. Um, <laughs> um, some of us do different things, but it, it really is a group effort. So Dennis Point makes uh, an important point that um, you know what we've been doing has been embraced by many key stakeholders in not just on campus but in the in the community. Um, early on some of the folks working on the project at MSU um, started communicating with uh, bars and restaurants, um, various stores and um, establishments in town and explained what we were doing and they welcomed um, and were very cooperative in helping to distribute some of the posters or the various mechanisms that were being used to disseminate the messages about what the norms really are. Um, because, uh, you know, they see it in their interest to have healthy students uh, and not having problems with uh, students having alcohol-related issues. Um, and, and so they were very cooperative and on board and uh, have been um, very gracious and supportive of the whole campaign. Well, you know, a great example of how we think we have changed, you know, back in 2003, 2004, 2005, we were on the top of the list of the Princeton perception view of party schools. And although Larry and I don't put a lot of stock in that, it is about perceptions yeah. on campus. They call you and say, what do you perceive? And over the years now, we're not even on that list. We're not even in the top 25. And that gives us some uh, validation in the fact that we have changed perception. And we talk to students uh, at MSU too. Most of them talk about being responsible being responsible drinkers. And now we're working, as Larry said, with 12 different universities. Uh, we've just added University of Delaware and Tulane. We have Florida State. We have Georgetown. We have University of Hawaii, Central Washington, University of Virginia, Virginia Tech, some major schools that are working with us. And uh, we not only provide oversight for them, but now we're helping projects in the community and state. We're working with the MPHI on a, a sexual victimization. Social norms approach isn't just for high-risk drinking. What we have shown, it works with high-risk drinking by increasing protective behaviors. You know, one of the things that Larry and the late Chuck Atkins and myself found out when we were studying celebratory drinking, because we were one of the first in the nation to study celebratory drinking, was that people approve of drinking more on celebratory occasions. So that's one thing that we couldn't necessarily target. We couldn't target consumption on celebratory occasions because most people dr approve of drinking more, and you can't do that because it goes against the norm. So what Larry found out in the data was that if you stay in the same place, if you stay with one alcohol, and especially if you stay with friends, you're less likely to receive harm from drinking more on celebratory occasions. So we've been able to push that norm out there 
And that has increased. Now staying with friends is not only a local protective behavior, but you see that in national mm-hmm. audiences. Stay with your friends. Arrange for a ride home. So we've been able to influence, and we're now actually consulting with the Anheuser-Busch Corporation about their national commercials and telling them about do a social norms uh, approach. I know you've started to answer this, Dennis, but I wanted to ask you both, do students change and evolve, as do we all? What's sort of on the horizon for the social norms movement and particularly the center here at MSU? There are lots of possibilities. I mean, part of the misperception issue, I mean, we're reluctant to discontinue what we're already doing because how will things, what misperceptions will resurface? Um, so you don't want to, things to go back to the way they were, so you sort of have to keep going of forward with it. Um, but there are other behavioral spheres that probably could be helped with using a social norms approach. So there's there are, there are um, attempts to try to figure out how we could use a social norms approach to help with sexual assault, um, uh, help minimize that, change whatever the misperceptions are about what's okay, what's not okay, what everybody's doing, what they're not doing. Um, it has been, the social norms approach has been used in in other areas like speeding and uh, tobacco use and a variety of other health-related um, behaviors. And so it is probably adaptable to a lot of things. Uh, Dennis mentioned that we've um, documented huge misperceptions about uh, sexual on related sexual behavior and uh, so correcting some of the the misperceptions that may lead people to do things that they otherwise wouldn't do or probably shouldn't do um, means that there's a a positive way of affecting uh, behavioral change that would produce healthier individuals in the long run and probably make their quality of life better uh, without offending them without making them feel put upon um, or pressured to do things that they don't want to do. We're working with the uh, Travers Bay uh, Child Action Council right now collecting data that we can use to try to influence uh, the behavior and perceptions of the the residents of the state of Michigan about child sexual abuse. I mean, there are so many different applications that we can you can try to have the social norms approach. The downfall of most organizations or colleges that try to use this, they want a shortcut. They don't want to necessarily collect data and continue to collect data. They don't want to do the dosage. So I think the beauty of what MSU has shown, and I think we lead the nation uh, on trying to change culture of this sort with it, is consistency, dosage, evaluation. All those factors need to come into play. But I think the uh, what we have shown, because there's been a lot of uh, talk about does a social norms approach work and stuff, that if you do it consistently and you measure it and you do it by getting feedback. I mean, the fact that we use this brand called the Ducks, the Ducks didn't come from us. I hated the concept of the Ducks. They came from students. We asked students, what types of images would you like to see on posters? What would you identify with it? And when, it, when the communication arts students came up with the Ducks, I was like, oh, my God, that's silly. But I'm old. Right, you're not the target. No, yeah. I'm not the target. So so the Ducks has been, and Levy would, would confirm this, the Ducks, you have to have a brand, too. I mean, it's, a, it's about marketing in, in several different ways. So having the right brand, that's where Larry said, we don't want to back off on stuff. 
Because we, we found that one time when we backed off on drinking and driving, and all of a sudden, the, the, the down curve went up. And so we started back on that again. So you have to keep those, because they come in with perceptions. And somebody asked me the other day, where do college students come in with all these perceptions of high-risk drinking on campus? I said they come from an animal house kind of misperception. They come from uh, alumni at times. They come from parents. You know, people have these concepts about college, and they sometimes give them to the kids. So. We try to correct that. Well, your your work is another great example of the land-grant mission, I think, sharing Absolutely. this expertise to make life better for people. And, Dennis, you know, you and I go back to 98 when then-President McPherson first established the alcohol action team you were on following the first MUN disturbance. And uh, just, you know, congratulations on your work. You must feel proud. And uh, just some key takeaways from both of you as we wrap up. I, you know, I, I, I joined with Larry in saying this has truly been a community effort. You know, McPherson at the time just asked us, you know, if you had a blank canvas, what would you do here? And, you know, I give credit to Michael Haynes and Alan Berkowitz and, and, and Wes Perkins, who came up with the concept in the early 90s. And, and Chuck and I sat around the table and said, oh, you know, let's, let's do this. So the takeaways from it is that the action team process, even though it happened as a misfortune of, a, of an event on campus, uh, came out with some really good concepts that we said alcohol should be about health. You know, uh, the law says under 21, uh, you're not supposed to drink. But we know by looking at the incoming freshman data that 70% of, of uh, high school students have already drank. And so we need to be real about how we approach it. Uh, I don't like these uh, fear appeals. So knowing that we have a, a positive approach, that takeaway and having validated by a researcher such as Larry in his office to show that it works, uh, it feels good. Um, the other thing that Dennis mentioned that's probably worth emphasizing is this really is an approach that's trying to change culture mm -hmm. um, in a positive way and to help build a more healthy community. Um, but culture change is hard and it's <laughs> slow. Yeah. So um, th this report is summarizing 15 years worth of data and attempts at change. And so it's small incremental changes along the way, but you have to keep at it so that in the long run, the effect is quite substantial, but it's not substantial in any one year. It's a little bit here and a little bit here and a little bit here and collectively you make progress. So it, it's, if somebody's looking for a quick fix, <laughs> this isn't the approach. Um, but if somebody's willing to stay the course and keep at it, uh, it will work. Part of the culture change is that when you start, it starts to reverberate out. The, one of the beauties of social media is that everything starts to reverberate out. And I remember in the beginning, when we started this process, we'd do freshman orientation. A freshman would come in and we'd say, what do you think the average MSU student drinks when they come on campus at a, on a setting? And they'd say eight or ten. You know, sometimes Larry would, and I would joke that if you're from the UP, it'd be 15. Uh, but over the years, we saw that when they came, started coming in, they'd say four or fewer. And we'd go, where did you hear that? You know, and they'd say, well, you know, the, my brother went to school at MSU. And so it starts to reverberate out. And that's how you change culture. And I have to emphasize what Larry said. Culture change takes a long time. And it takes a concerted effort. And I, 
I praise MSU and all the presidents from McPherson and the people to support this process all the way along. And now we're the National Social Norm Center at MSU. And uh, uh, we feel pretty good about that. And I think it's socialnorms.msu.edu, right, where you can get more information. Yep. And we've been talking about Michigan State University's National no social norm center mm-hmm. and all the work it does and some new survey data. So my guests have been Larry Hembroff. He's the director of research and evaluation for the national social norm center at MSU. Larry, thanks so much for sharing your observations with us. And Dennis Martell is director of the National Social Norm Center at MSU and Director of MSU Health Promotion. Gentlemen, thanks again and congratulations. It's always a pleasure to be with you, Russ. 